Hello, everybody. It's Marcy from wavesofcommunication.com. This year, the theme on our platform is positive action. The information I provide is designed to equip and empower parents and caregivers to take at least one conscious, focused, positive action today toward helping your child shift from nonverbal communication into unprompted spoken language. There's no time like now to make the necessary changes you need to see the success that you want for the late talker in your life. So let's get started. Hello, everybody. It's Marcy from wavesofcommunication.com here with my weekly video for you. And this week, I have an everyday language facilitation tools for success video. And what those videos are is the ones that give you practical strategies that you can use um, right now, starting today, to solve a specific problem that you're having with your late talking child. And today's problem we're gonna talk about is what to do when late talkers don't respond. What we're gonna do to really facilitate this response and action and actual, where you get to start to see progress, right? Instead of just feel better about, you know, why your child, the potential for your child. Now let's get some progress happening. And what you need to do first, the very first thing is always establish trust, connection and joint attention for fast speech development. And these are the strategies we're gonna be talking about today to help you do it. And the first one is to trust yourself first and invest in learning and planning. And so that's why you're here right now, is that you are going to invest in learning at least one or two things that you can implement, that you can try, that you can actually take action to do. And so what we're going to do is I'm going to talk about, I've got a little video montage here to give you some ideas about that. All right, so here we go. So what you're going to do is you're going to trust yourself with a plan, right? We're going to get going. We're going to look at this baby in a minute to schedule activities and easy strategies that you feel confident about. So here's one scheduled activity we just saw at the park. Activity number two is getting dressed and talking about the buttons and talking about the clothes. And here's some dinosaurs here piled on the table, ready to play in the sink of water. Maybe they were taken off shirt. Here's a dad with a little girl cooking and getting And Here's a dad just talking about the ice cream and how it's dripping on the child's shirt and how he kind of doesn't want that to happen. Here's a baby who's already moving in the swing and wiggling around, clearly non-verbally communicating with the parent. And see, the thing is, as it says here on the left, you're consistent and confident, right? So you have to be really confident about what you're doing when you decide to play with your kiddo and talk about the fact that he can't grab that thing or the fact that this button is stuck and we got to take off our shirt to be able to keep our body, our shirt clean because we're going to get ready to play with these dinosaurs in the sink. And now dad's got to talk about how, you know, the, the rice flowers all over her fingers and dad's worried about the shirt. So this isn't just like requesting. This is what you model and talk every single day through these activities that you do every single day. <clears throat> and the reality is that when people finish those last couple videos and they, you know, realize that their child isn't, you know, responding or they're, you know, they, if they go look on, you know, Google thing, things to decide if your child has a certain diagnosis, a lot of people tell me when I say, why do you think that your child isn't talking? They pull up the diagnosis or the thing that they found that root cause. Yeah, they didn't have enough whatever. They did have too much of something else or something like that you know, they were sick or that you, whatever, you, you get focused on those things. And when you find out what they are, automatically you look outside of yourself to start to solve those problems. You start booking appointments with people to do analysis for your child. I know because that's what happens to me. People, the first thing they want to do is they want to pass this off. 
onto somebody else as soon as you realize that it's bad. And like I said on all the past videos and this one too, the first person that you have to trust to make a difference and realize that, you know, your child's not paying attention because of things that are going on. But the only person, the first thing before you get into the strategies is to realize that it's you that has to implement these strategies. So the first thing you can do to earn this respect, like we talked about in this video, the things you've got to do is establish trust, connection, and joint attention. And the first thing you do is trust yourself first and invest in learning and planning. Now, I'm not saying that you've got to spend money to do that, but you do need to invest more than just watching this video. You've got to actually try it. You've got to actually do it for yourself. That's the only investment that is going to prove to you if language facilitation is going to work for you or not. Okay. If any of the following strategies I talk about are going to work for you or not, you're not going to know. You're never going to know if you trust somebody else to try it. You're only going to know if you do it for yourself. And that's why this video is all about what you can do to take action. All right, let's look at the next thing that we're going to move into that I'm going to talk about. And this is find and nurture number two, the language facilitation zone. Find and nurture the language facilitation zone because this is how we get this trust and connection. And I've got another slide. I'm going to move right into that slide and show you how to do it. How do we find the language facilitation zone? There are processes. All of these six strategies, all of these six strategies will help you establish a connection with your child. The first one is observe and pay attention to the motivation behind preferred activity choices, okay? And so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna show you here, we're gonna go back and forth between this slide and the next one, where I'm gonna show you an example of what I'm talking about here, the kind of interaction that you can have with your child when you find the language facilitation zone. All right, check this out. Look at this little kiddo and his dad and how they are hanging together. The only reason I know it's a dad because I know the male hands. Look at what they're doing. They're not building Legos. They're not labeling Legos. They're not constructing with Legos. They're not cleaning up Legos. They're not doing anything that parents usually tell kids to do with Legos. In fact, this dad told the kiddo or the kiddo somehow communicated to the dad that he likes to experience something like this. And he is thrilled right loving this situation what's this dad doing he's just pouring legos on his head over and over again because what i'm talking about here on the left is trust is quickly super quickly earned or lost by nonverbal kids through your response to their behaviors and requests. And when you honor, if you abandon your expectations for they've got to do this thing or what people usually do with any material that your child brings to you or does to you or does with materials around your house, if, if you abandon your expectations and respond to those requests for their comfort and fun, that's why they make these requests. They want this stuff. They're telling you what they love. And when you respond to them, then they will trust that you care about their ideas. So let's go back over here and look at this other slide. Number two, you wanna talk about your own objects. So you identify their why because you see that they're dropping things and they like to love to drop things. So you start dropping things with them. You talk about your own objects, the things that you use, right? Hey, look at my thing. And if they're doing something, you ask them if you can try. Can I do that? Can I experience that? I want to see what it feels like when they do those things because that gives it value and power and interest. It doesn't poo-poo it away because it's not what other people like or what other people think is right or wrong or whatever. Anybody else's judgment. You talk about your own thing. And then if you if you ask if you can try and if they don't let you try, if you're not allowed, then honor that. No, because remember, they don't, if you're not allowed to try, that means that your child doesn't trust that you're not going to overtake the whole situation and put your own rules and your own expectations on top of it. 
That's the only reason that they won't let you try. So if they don't let you try, because if they don't trust you yet, you have to earn that trust. And so how do you do that? You just ask, just ask them, can I just watch you? That looks so fun, interesting, exciting. Use words that you, you see on your child's face. That looks so sour. Can I eat that? You know, that's what you ask if you can try. You can watch it and say, wow, I can really see that that is sour. Let's say your child is eating sour berries and they're eating and they're grimacing and they're making a face. And you say, can I try one? No, you can't try one. Oh, then you just watch and you say, wow, I can see those berries are really sour because your face is making a sour face, right? I'm just watching you. I'm not bothering you. In fact, when you start to talk about them, they're going to like it. And that's what we're going to talk more. That's the number six here. But here you join them in a parallel play situation with no pressure models. So you say, hey, I, you know, if, if, as long as you can try, you don't take theirs away. You don't take their materials away. You just start dumping Legos on your own head. You don't stop their fun so that you can have fun. That's why they don't want you to try because they don't want to stop their fun. They want you to join them because remember what you're trying to facilitate here is them to join you. And when you show them to that you want to join them, number four, in a parallel pre play situation with no pressure models. Hey, look at me. I'm putting the tracks together this way while you're making the train table. Watch how I pour the water. Watch how I mess up the dough. Look at how I dance. Watch how I tumble or ride the bike or push the swing or whatever they're doing. Hey, look at me, right? That's what you want your kid to do is start to call your attention and get you to join them. So you want to show them how that looks. Hey, can I join you? I want to do it. It's their dream to have other kids ask them to join in things that they are interested in. They want to see how do I do that? How do I approach somebody and say, hey, I like what you're doing. How can I join you? That's how you model that. You join your child in their parallel play situation, and they're going to know if they want you to join them or not based on your level of control that you bring with you. Because no child wants to share their stuff with people, right? So you got to show them what that looks like. You use your own materials. Hey, I brought my own car or my own water bucket or my own slime or my own thing I'm cutting or cooking or whatever, pouring, and then you say, hey, you want some of mine? Uh, it, it's so fun doing this. I want to give you the experience to share with me. That's how you model sharing. So if your child doesn't like to connect or share or think because they don't trust, anybody's not going to take it away. Because telling your child to share because you think they should share is not sharing. That's you telling a kid that they have to give up their stuff based on your rules. We share because we want to, because we are in a common situation and we want the other people who play with us in life to join us in that situation and share the experience together. So when we show them, how does that look? It looks like, hey, I want to join you. Oh, I don't want to bother you, though. But what you're doing is so interesting and exciting that I want to learn more about it. At least watch it if I can't experience for myself, because that's what we all do when we watch TV. We see things that we can't experience for ourselves, but we watch them over and over because we want to feel what that person is feeling while they're doing it. So that's what this number six is. You talk slowly with expression about the experiences that you are having together, the common experiences, the things that you are feeling. Like if you are looking at the rain and it's so loud that it's hitting the sidewalk and you can't even hear, show your child. And so what you want to do is you talk about it with visuals and with language models that match all of this nonverbal communication because all of this negotiation about, do you want to join me? I want to join you. What are you doing? That's interesting. I want to learn more about it. Or no, that's annoying. I think you're going to take it away. You're going to pressure me. I don't want to feel this thing. You know what that feels like. 
the difference between an activity that is attractive, that you want to join, that you're curious about, that looks so fun that you don't want to miss the party right? That is what is your responsibility. That's why in that first slide with the little movie, it's all things that you already do that you either want to do, go to the park or play with dinosaurs in a sink full of water and the things you need to do. Like I want to keep that shirt clean. So let's take it off and talk about the fact that if we play with dinosaurs, then your shirt will get wet. And after you're done, we can put it. And then as you're playing with the dinosaurs and the water gets on your belly, you say, wow, it's a good thing we took our shirt off, right? Because you're learning lessons and the language you need about the lessons that help you be successful in life when you do your language facilitation this way. When you make your plan to choose the activities that will do these things, that will allow you. So first, the first one is where you present activities that your child automatically wants to do. Let's go to the park, done. And then once you get to the park, you watch your child. And the only thing that you expect for the first, let's say, solid week, if not two, depending on how much prompting and pressure your kids had in the past, right, what their level of understanding is, it takes a little longer for this to kick in. Some parents see it within a day, one day, because what you're doing is you're taking on the job. These first two strategies to understand what's going on. We did that in the past videos where we did that. But now that you understand what's going on, you decide, I want to do this strategy. I want to talk more slowly. And at the end of this video, I'm going to show you three step-by-step -step strategies videos where you can learn specific strategies to apply this to. But this whole point right here, this idea of getting, establishing trust, connection, and joint attention must happen before you can start flashcarding anything or doing anything, expect anything. Because your kiddo has to listen and learn from you if you want to be the teacher. All right, let's look at number three. Because now we're getting into it. Because in, in order to actually facilitate that stuff, then we have to get make that happen. And that happens with number three. And so we're going to move into that slide right now. Where I've got eight different strategies. Eight different things that you can implement today in your life. You can pick one, you can pick five, you can pick three, but you've got to commit to these things every single day. And here's number one, create activities that are attractive and fun for everybody. We talked about it, just showed you how to do that. You pick things that you already do and you make them fun. You can make anything fun. Take the time and make it fun. Number two, replace your expectation of results with your intention to teach right? All you need to do for this one is just give up the idea of, I hope he does. Just quit that thought and say, I'm going to model this. I, I intend to teach my child this. And the only way they can do it is by watching you and doing what you do to teach them. So replace your expectation with intention. This is a biggie. Number three, find the language facilitation zone. We just talked about that whole slide with a whole bunch of strategies to do it before you teach. You have to get in the zone and get that attention before you teach anything. Like I said, it's all necessary before you even pull out the what is it, where is it, any of those questions. You can't. Number four, look for signs of attention to guide your strategies. Hey, when I do this, my child stays near me. When I do that, my child looks at me more. When I talk this way, my child smiles. When I say these words, my child's actually touching me, reaching for my mouth, looking at my face, wanting to do things, and even going farther to trying to imitate you, right? But you don't, they don't have to, have to go there yet. These signs will guide you because if you get staying nearby, more eye contact, smiling and touching, those are the things that were missing that got you the diagnosis that you were angry and worried about, right? And you're fixing those things with your actions that you talk about 
give yourself credit and your child credit. Hey, you are paying attention to me because you're staying near me. I like that. That means I am talking the right way. Hey, I like when you look at me. That means you're listening. You're smiling. That must mean I'm saying the right thing and you agree with me because when your child doesn't agree with you, they don't smile. But when they agree, they do. That's what you do when you when you see something on TV that you agree with, you smile. Watch for those signs in your child. When your child reaches out to touch you, when you talk, and it's not a push you away touching. It's a touching that draws them in, that means that they want more. This is what you want to see. And when your child does these things, these four things in blue right here, that means, hey, Look, pay attention, do that more. Your kiddo likes it, it feels good for you, and you get a good result, do it more, okay? So now, number five, you empathize with your child. This is a biggie. Late talker drama, right? And your own failures, because maybe you did yell at your child. Maybe you did, you know, pick them up and haul them out of the Walmart because they were yelling and screaming. Maybe you were embarrassed. Maybe they were so frustrated because you were embarrassed and you took something away and everything broke down and it was all a big mess. That happens every day in families of late talkers. If you're watching this video, you know what I'm talking about. And you can think exactly and understand the last time it happened in your house. So you got to talk about that. You got to empathize. You got to say, wow, you really don't like it when I take your toys. You really don't like it when this happens because you see it. The thing happens and you get the tantrum. Boom, boom. If then you empathize with that. Wow, you didn't like it. Whether it was good, bad, or otherwise, they're telling you that they didn't like it. You have to empathize with them, that they're your kid. Maybe they don't like wearing shoes, right? And you've got to wear shoes. You still have to have empathy for your child. You can't just say, I don't care that you don't like this or that it hurts you or that you makes you sad or afraid or whatever. It's the rule and you gotta do it. That is never gonna work to get your child to increase their trust in you, right? It's never gonna work. And you also have to own your failures and talk about them. I'm sorry I didn't listen to you. I didn't understand you. That I, I can't get through that stuff. When you do those tantrums, it makes me do crazy things, right? Own it. It's true. And when you work through this drama, it's late talker drama that happens in parents and the late talker. Own it. Empathize. Everybody's working. Everybody's trying their best, right? Nobody needs any punishment. We all just make mistakes and we all just try our best and our emotions get the best of us. Talk about that. It happens every day, every day. Number six, communicate your joint experience with visuals plus words. This is always how you're going to teach a late talker to understand that their behaviors have words that can be better at communicating those ideas. And so you use gestures, you use picture cards, you use things that your child is going to, that's going to help you convey the message. You probably already do it. But, and you might even use more specific gestures. The more specific gestures you use, the more specific gestures your child will use. The more pointing and grabbing and handing and directing that you do with your child, the more they will do with you because your children are learning from your behavior. They're watching you and doing what you do. You're their biggest language models. You, they watch you more than anyone else. 24 seven, they have you. And so they see your patterns of behavior and they see if mom or dad is doing it, then that's okay for me to do, right? So they're watching everything you do. You want to be vi vigilant about what you're modeling, right? And you want to encourage all good ideas, even if they divert your plan. And this is where you, you know, replace those expectation of results, right? Because if your child says, hey, what if I, we have two ice cream scoops today, right? Instead of only one. And you're like, hmm, it was a really hot day. And that is a really good idea. So maybe today we break the rules. And so it's a great tool for negotiation. We can have two scoops today, but tomorrow only one. And it lets you always 
talk about negotiation and all ideas are good ideas because you don't want your child to stop giving their ideas and that's going to happen if you squash them and you want to show your child how good ideas are so when you get a good idea like hey maybe we can have two scoops today because you ate all your dinner and you like instituted a reward that was a good idea as a reward but it wasn't a bribe because you didn't even bring it up until after they did the good thing right those are good ideas that your child's like hey if if my behavior prompted mom to have that good idea and give me extra treats that's what internalizes this effort and motivation when you respond to your child's good ideas and you give good ideas even if they don't get the outcome but they are good because they make you feel better they solve a problem they give you a treat they give you a boost they give you a celebration and they make you feel great because we are on a journey every single day and then you want to celebrate number eight every single effort and reward bravery right because all of this is work. It's not an easy job. There's not a magic pill. You have to make big, big changes and you are expecting your child to make big, big changes, right? That's why you have to make changes too. You're expecting your nonverbal child, even if they're 18 months old, to give up what they've been using for 18 months as their main communication. And if your child's 18 years old or anywhere in between, especially if they're two or three or four or five, they have been trial and erroring their communication, nonverbal communication with you to see what will you respond to? And you have been testing them to see what will they respond to. That's why if you're watching this video, it may be that your child doesn't have, um, you know, it doesn't have any any ability to follow directions when you ask them, yet they understand everything that's coming off their videos. Or when you teach them, hey, this is how you put this toy together, they need to watch it one time and figure out even elevate that beyond themselves. But when you bring it out again and you say, let's build this toy, they refuse to do that with you. This is because there is a lack of connection, there's a lack of joint attention, there's a lack of shared mission about this. So let's get into, I just wanna see, I'm getting some comments. There's a thank you. So, hey, by the way, this, uh, I always take questions from people. And if you have a question now or a situation where your child is really struggling with connecting, like they won't connect to you, everything you try, they're not doing, or what that circumstance looks like, put that in the comments. And as we go through these, we can talk about your situation and maybe use it as an example too. So this is a great thing. And also while we're watching here, please take a moment to like this video. And if you haven't subscribed to my channel, I don't know what, and, and you have a parent, or, and you are a parent or a grandparent or caregiver of a child who's late talking, you are missing out because there are 400 videos on this, on this YouTube channel alone. And the parents who work with me are seeing progress in days when they follow these strategies. However, it is this problem, this issue where children are not responding because I know you're trying. I know this is hard work. I know you are every single day all day exhausted from the work you're doing so remember it's not that these strategies are difficult it, the strategies are easy i say this all the time the strategies are easy the change is what's hard and it requires mindset it requires understanding it requires investment in training and making your plan and sticking to your plan every day so when you take action every day then you get the result of the parents if you've seen testimonials on my channel and you've got people who've just watched my videos all over the world it's happening people are just watching these videos taking action and getting results and then they fade and then they come back and then they fade because it goes like this we say it's waves of communication because the progress goes in waves because of the blockages there's always blockages that come in so let's say you're working really hard with these things and you have a visit with a 
therapist, your mother-in-law, your girlfriend, another mom of a kid who has autism, any one of those things happens to you and you could be on your, on your path and getting really nice, good listening and focus and all that stuff from your child. Yet somebody else makes a judgment on a snapshot of what they see on your child based on their understanding, which is very limited compared to yours of your child, especially if you've been doing all the, all the analysis that I've been talking about on my channel. And you're silly if you don't, because why would you not want to know everything about this process? Everything that's causing it to not move forward, get rid of those blockages, start doing strategies, make a plan and get it going. Okay. Let's move in because we've got more things to talk about, actually. Moving in to number four, okay? This is a biggie, and this is where you're really going to see some difference. Number four is responding to your child's communication behaviors. And so what we're going to do over here, I want to talk about how we are working with kids. And this is when we talk about prompting. This goes a little bit back to that attention and focus. And I wanna just show you something on this video with this child. So here's a little girl, toddler, and this parent is doing the typical tease game where they're um, you know, introducing, let's talk about it, introducing child, look, 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 and then pull it out of reach. Here it is, and then pull it out of reach. Here it is, and then pull it out of reach. Here it is, right? Over and over and over again. And here's this little girl trying to grab this toy. And that person is teasing. Now, this little girl is looking at the toy and smiling at the toy. And so what has happened here, if you look here on the left, so prompting request by putting attractive objects out of reach without offering assistance, it teaches your child that you want them to struggle. Like, oh, I don't want you to have this. I just want you have some other thing in mind. This mom wants the child to look at the object. She wants her to label the object. She wants her to grab for the object and build her motor skills or something like that. And, and they will learn if you do this repeatedly, because this is a very common teaching technique that people are taught. Just putting attractive objects out of reach. Put things in clear containers and show your child that they're on the top shelf to supposedly motivate them to pull out their best spoken language to ask you. But if you teach your child independence, like I say here on the left, teaching independence can backfire if you want your child to pay attention to you. And the whole goal here is to establish trust, connection, and joint attention for fast speech development, not manipulate your child into doing things based on tricks, right? I'm going to trick you so you reach. I'm going to trick you so you look. I'm going to trick you so you point. I'm going to trick you so you say the word. So it, it motivates your brain to do it because maybe you'll learn it, okay? And what I'd like to do, I'm going to move into the next slide here, is to talk about this idea of responding to kids' behaviors with language. So late talkers will often use creative, here we go, this is another one. They'll use behavior to prompt parents to provide more and more demonstration and assistance with skills they're not sure of, okay? So here's what you're gonna do, respond to hesitation. Anytime your child hesitates to do something, respond to it before you encourage it, okay? You wanna offer assistance. So she's given her block, she takes the block, she's trying to build it, she can't do it, she's looking at dad. Hey, I need you to do this, I don't know. All right, here's another one, the next one. Kids use behaviors to create a shared experience. This is a really, really common thing for lay talkers. They use behaviors to create a shared experience as their way to communicate their feelings and ideas. And what they do is they make you experience what they experience so that they know you understand them. Okay. And what you're going to do in this circumstance is you're going to talk about the feelings you experience, right? They, you're cre they want you to share this experience. So you want to just talk about it. That, so they can learn the words to replace their behavior. So watch this little girl. She eats this thing, it's sour. Dad takes it and puts it away. Dad's behavior, dad's distracted by mom over here. Little child pulls the, here's, here's the dish back again. Child picks up the thing, does not put it in their mouth, puts it in dad's mouth. 
And he's like, hey, no, that's the sour orange. No, we're not eating that orange. Yuck. Let's not eat it, right? So here's the next one. Lay talkers will use their own creative behaviors for problem solving their problems. Well, you put something out of reach. In this case, she's got soap all over her dinosaur, okay? She's been playing in the sink with her dinosaur and now it's got soap all over it. And she wants the soap to go off the dinosaur. So what she's gonna do is she's gonna use her, she doesn't know how to get it off. Her hands are full of soap, so she's using her mouth. And she's like, hey, look, it worked. I'm, I, my hands are full of soap. I can't wipe the soap off this dinosaur. I'm going to pull up my own thing. So what she did is she got a struggle. Just like I said, uh-oh, dinosaurs full of soap, right? And then so she does this effectiveness of her behavior. She blows on it. Hey, that worked. You got the soap off. Do it again. Look. You're getting it all over and over and over. And so she repeats the behavior. That's what's most exciting about this slide is that when kids do things that work, when they see things that work, even if it's brand new, they will do it again because it has worked for them. And that's why your language models are so important. When you show your child, instead of correcting them when they do something wrong, watch what they do. Because maybe it's not the most ideal, like running it underwater would be better, but the water wasn't running. It was just a sink full of soap and rinsing it off or whatever might have been your solution. But this little girl decided to blow. She decided to blow and it created something even more fun because the soap did get off the dinosaur. She could see it and it's sprayed around and yeah did it make more of a mess but it doesn't matter because you're there in the sink and you say oh the it's sprayed all over now we're gonna have to wipe it off but it's it's still a good idea because it was her idea and her idea was good because it got a solution that she liked. Maybe you didn't want the mess. You would have preferred for a nice dainty rinse off or something like that. But that didn't have the same outcome. It wasn't as exciting. And it wasn't this novel teaching moment that shows me, hey, I am smart enough to solve this problem by myself. And my mom noticed it and talked about it. And we shared that experience, just like the dad was sharing, the kid was making the dad share the experience of taste this, you know, sour fruit so that you stop talking to mom and get me some new fruit, right? But these kinds of situations happen every single day in everyone's life, right? It, they just do. And when you learn to look and analyze your child's behavior, and understand the messages that they are trying to communicate with that behavior and then turn that into language. Whoa, this is really sour. We shouldn't eat this sour fruit. We'll put it back in the bowl and get some new fruit. And then if he didn't do it because he got distracted with mom, he can go back and say, hey, I, you're right. Uh, you know, here, dad, you forgot, right? Oh, yeah, you're right. I forgot to get this, you know, new fruit. Let's go get the fruit now. You are reminding me. And that's all language that will teach your child how to use these words instead of just labeling them orange, 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 you know, because they don't want another orange. They want something that's not sour or something that's not that tastes better right? They don't know what that is. They want the parent to decide and offer them something new. So your kids are communicating to you these messages all the time. When you read that behavior, my child is telling me they're upset. My child's asking me for that. My child doesn't want to do this again. My child wants to do this more, right? My child's upset because I did something. My child's upset because somebody else did something, right? This is what you know. And when you are in these joint experiences, because you're right there with your child in the situation, when they wake up in the middle of the night with a dream or they're begging for more iPad time and you don't want to give them iPad time and you're working through these dramas, 
watch your child's behavior and give them the language they need. I think a lot of parents solve these dramas and behaviors by talking to each other. They talk to their partner or they talk to their mom or they talk to the therapist or a coach about those things. And I'm suggesting that if you really want your child to connect with you, the number one way to get them to do that. And one of the main reasons that we talk in the first place is when we want people to understand our problems and tell us exactly what they're going to do to help us solve those problems. You are feeling a certain way. I'm going to do this thing to help you feel a better way, a new way, because we're asking kids to make changes and we need to facilitate them through the process by giving them as much help as possible. And again, when you withhold things or you make your child do things, those are all tests. They don't teach your child anything except for the fact that you don't want to help. You just want to test. And the more you test, I'm not saying that you never test because you testing shows you where your child is, but I'm saying that testing doesn't teach. And a lot of parents are trying to get a result and that's where your expectations get held up because you're expecting this result from your test that you just keep giving the test over and over again and your child is never going to pass the test certainly not as quickly from just trying to independently solve the problem over and over without your training before the tests it's not going to happen they're never going to pass them right? And if you keep testing without training, eventually, and sooner than later, actually, with children, they will stop showing up for the test because they've already taken it. They know it's coming. They're annoyed by it and they just quit. And I always say there's two reasons that kids fail to take to pass tests. Number one, they don't know the information or number two, they don't show up. And if you are over testing and your child is not responding, they used to respond to your tests and now they don't. This is why, because testing doesn't teach anything new, but following good ideas teaches new things. Watching new language models teaches new things, but those things have to be attractive enough and not scary enough to make your child feel like you're gonna disrupt their fun or their interest or their problem solving with your outcome agenda. And they're just gonna quit on you when that happens, okay? So the next thing we're gonna talk about here, the last one is, is to replace your expectation with facilitation and what you're gonna do to do that, here's another slide with a video, is, is give more language models, right? It's as simple as that. Model the behavior and spoken language you want to see because your models provide the framework for the expected behavior and speech imitation because when your kids see things they like, they will try them. Just like blowing the dinosaur, just like this little girl is doing after her dad shows her how to stir the stuff, she takes the thing and stir it. And they actually naturally imitate and they later use. And I'm telling you what, it happens. You may not believe it, because that's not what the evidence people say or the prompting people say, because prompting never gets independent later use. That's spontaneous and without prompting. Unprompted models get that. So the kids will naturally imitate and later use the words that work for them and solve the problems, just like the little girl did with the dinosaur and the soap. And you will see as you watch your child, you will watch them, observe them as they are doing whatever they are doing, whatever they are doing, and turn that into spoken language. Now, I told you that I was going to give you three videos that I'm going to remind you about to tell you where you can get even more detail to help you with these things. Because when I talk about pick a strategy, you need some videos to talk about those strategies. So again, like this video, subscribe to my channel, and you're going to find a lot more of them. But what I want to show you now, oops, hang on a second. Let's look really fast. Uh, yeah. Okay. Ooh, we're going to do that. We're going to talk about the speech of in a minute. Sorry. I didn't mean to, to 
disrupt because I want to share these these three videos with you that I think really, really help parents who are stuck with this problem. And the first one, you can what you can do is just go to my channel and um, you know do a little Google search or you can scroll down through and look, but I'm gonna show you the thumbnails. The first one is five strategies to facilitate speech when your child is staying in their own world, okay? This video describes what those situations when children are not responding at all and it's a real common situation now due to the pandemic due to kids being home with parents who are working due to tech all kinds of things there are five strategies and again just like this video they all go into lots and lots of detail all right the next video that is really really important that will help you with this is to identify if your child is manipulating you, right? And this video talks about the big three tools that lay talkers use to manipulate parents and learn how to get your home back on track. So if your child is, is refusing to eat or they're off their food, there's food issues, there's potty issues or diaper issues or poop issues, or there are sleeping issues that are going on in your house, this video is going to help you. They're very specific strategies you can use to get things back on track and here's the third one and this is a biggie about your mindset because remember the strategies are easy but the change is hard and here are five tips if you just don't know how to get out of your worry how to what's going on when you're feeling overwhelmed because your child's behavior is out of control because there's a lot of you know whatever there's lots of things that cause overwhelm including things that are not related to your child. It could be your job, it could be your partner, it could be your family, it could be COVID, it could be your health, you know, all that stuff could be going on. If you have issues that, you know, everybody has issues in their life, we go through all the time. And remember those environmental things can really throw you off your track. It can be something big like a major illness or something as little as um, a conversation with some lady at Target, right? So that's, again, those three videos are gonna help you. Now let's talk about how it's working for Lila. So Lila says, thank you, Marcy. We battle speech apraxia and occurred a lot of the physical challenges. How do you balance making sounds versus achieving for words? Right now, we all we see is, we see all sounds as sacred. We celebrate and repeat the correct word, but we also repeat what he said. When I repeat one of his words, like a ba, he will respond with another sound. Is this prompting or an introduction to conversation? So this is a really great, anybody who can screenshot this to see this question. Um, speech apraxia is a challenging, it's a challenging effort with language facilitation because there is a physiological blockage, okay? And for other children, the physiological blockage is, you know, if they don't have a, an outward thing like ear infection, seizures, you know, things like that. When children are not able to say words, like, other children will babble freely when parents start talking more slowly, when parents start using these language models, when they do the strategies that I talk about today. But then there are other kids that are far more resistant to trying to talk because they believe their mindset due to their real physical reality of every time I try to talk, my mouth doesn't work. Right. And so in this case, there is a physiological blockage that is making speech difficult. Right. In the child's mind, speech is hard and they still have what needs to communicate. So I'm sure that your child is using other reasons. And I don't know how old this child is. But if you have the diagnosis of apraxia and you are facilitating sounds, the first thing is I never never and i know that there is lots of evidence around it but i do not advocate single sound training ever i never recommend it however if your child if you are modeling and i think even with a child who cannot physically cannot say words you still in your case even more so must present your child with the easiest possible language 
or sound models that they could effectively imitate on their own. And when you do, so what you do is you say, all right, we're talking about, you know, this pen. And so you start talking about the pen in easy things that you know your child understands, but you can't talk down to them because you know intelligence-wise, they're way ahead of what they're able to say. So you can't ever talk to a child at the level of their speech. You always have to talk higher and you always have to provide language models bigger than the child can currently say. Because if you keep saying the things that they keep saying, they will keep saying those same things and never evolve from it. And yes, you do need to celebrate every try. But what your mindset should be, any parent of a child with apraxia, is that my child will use better talking when my child makes more effort to try on their own to say the things that are on their mind. They will not do it prompted, but they will improve their speech when they are motivated to say what they want. It's the only time that they will work hard to overcome what doesn't, what's hard, is if they are highly motivated. There is no outside tangible reward, no candy, no cookies, no trips to Disney World that will ever sustain a child through single sound teaching to get them to spoken language. It always breaks down every single time. Does it result in single sound production? It can, it can. But I'm telling you that language facilitation also does result in a wider variety of single sound use. And even there is a uh, now 11 year old child in my program who his mother told me, you can look for the Marianne video on my channel and see how her son, when she dug in and gave him the models for the words that he wanted to say, not the words that you want to say, not the words that you want to hear, the words he needs to say in that moment, every single minute, right? Then he started talking, he started trying. And then eventually he came to the epiphany to say, I am talking. I can talk when I want because the switch that in his mindset made him believe my mouth is broken and I can't do it. His mother got rid of it. She said, no, you are a good talker. You can talk. You are talking. I hear it every day because it took six months of her doing language facilitation, but her child shifted. And that's how I know that every single one of your kids can do this. Every single one. It doesn't matter how severe they are. I've got parents with kids with seizures in between bouts where they're getting massive seizures. Parents are hearing. They're getting this connection. They're getting this focus. They can. You can do it. You can do it. Okay. Let's talk about one more thing. So hopefully that was the answer to your question. When your child says a thing, you shouldn't say what they're saying. You should recast it bigger and better. And I have done videos about apraxia. I should probably do a whole one because it is a unique strategy, but it is a small, small, small population of people who watch these videos whose kids actually have apraxia. And a very big number of you have been told that your children's mouths don't work. And it's not because they, it's this test problem. And we talk about a child with a true apraxia who has tried to say words and failed, right? Through these natural language facilitation strategies, if they failed, right? They need to understand their problem. They need to understand that their mouth is not completely broken, but it has squeaky wheels. It needs more juice. It needs more effort. It needs more practice. Because how does a child with cerebral palsy learn to walk? Do they walk amazing? No, but they walk. And how do they change their brain that neurologically said they couldn't? They find new ways. Brains are super smart and plastic, especially in children. But they won't ever, ever change without the child intending to make that change to their brain. You can't stim it. You can't pill it. You can't ABA it. A child has to want to change their spoken language, their natural communication of their wants and needs from the physical body to the mouth and words 
and language. And the only thing that will help a child with apraxia accept that responsibility. Because just like a child with cerebral palsy, you can't say it's going to be just as easy for you as it is for other kids. It's not true. It's not true. But they do overcome challenges. And those kids need parents even more so to get a positive mindset and you know, foster that positive mindset in your world. You can do this. You are doing this. I can see you trying hard and it's getting better and better every day. Instead of, thank God we heard another word another sound. I heard another word. Yay. That's a good start, right? Because unless your child is motivated to dig in and try, they won't. And if they don't like the therapy, if there's somebody's touching your child's mouth to make them say words, and they haven't learned how to touch their own mouth to help facilitate that on their own, if they need it to help them, just like a kid with cerebral palsy gets a crutch to help them, Sometimes kids use tactile cues as a crutch, but they need to be able to learn to use those cues themselves. Just like kids who use the rapid prompting method, they learn themselves eventually how to type and write and read. It's fostered through them, but then they say, write a sentence about this because those kids who are verbally apraxic can type and write and tell all their stories. And when you understand what those stories are cognitively, there's no reason for you to not be facilitating that in spoken language. The easiest possible spoken language that your child can do. And that's how you learn how to do this, okay? Let's see what Yanni says. So, all right, Liddy says a response. You're amazing, thank you. We are cerebral palsy warriors. We are walkers, so I believe we can be talkers. So there you go. You know exactly what I'm talking about. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Brains are plastic, and even those with cerebral palsy or seizures, whatever, can be changed, especially when they're young, if you do the right facilitation, if you take action. But if you keep worrying about the physical thing, it's this thing, he can't, he can't, well, then you're not even showing up. And you want your child to show up. They have to. They have to. So you know how it is. You know how it is to get your child to overcome the challenges that are going with this. And again, if they're not responding to you, that means that it's too hard, too much pressure, too much prompting, too much whatever, because they're not showing up to even the lessons, let alone the test. And they're always going to fail then because they just don't care about your outcome. They leave you because you're trying to present them something that they don't believe they can do. And until they do believe that they are talkers, that they are talking, not gonna talk someday, they are talking more every day. Just like your little guy is moving better every day. And maybe some days it's not, he's not moving so well, but you know why, and you know what you gotta do. You gotta do your exercises, you gotta do your whatever to get back in because you have a plan and you're dedicated and you're consistent to get it done yourself. And that's how you see gains. That is a warrior mama. And you're all warrior parents with kids who are late talking. You've been given these kids by God to help you learn how to do this because you can carry these strategies into everything you do in your life. You can do anything you want. You can overcome anything you want if you eliminate blockages and take action. And that's what this video is all about. Listen, if you wanna work with me, if you want to learn how to do this and you want to learn more about it and you want to know all about it, you can do that. You can follow me on Facebook, YouTube, all these things. You've seen my stuff. Wavesofcommunication.com is how you find. And let's see what Yanni says. Yanni says, my son is speaking a lot more. He says things like, I need a drink of water to hydrate. But it's I need a drink of water to hydrate. That's an amazing. Are you kidding? Um, but he's struggling with some sounds. It's hard to understand. He's five. It'd be six in October. And he's missing the letter S or SH. Okay, so there's another clear example of how a child, you facilitated this child to independently try to talk more, but the speech isn't as good as you want to be. So what do you do now? You facilitate the child's independent, um, independent um, progression and movement to make their speech better, to use the most clear speech. And I don't have a, a thumbnail to show you, but there is a video on my channel all about speech sounds and helping children use their best speech clarity. So look for speech, look through the channel, find the videos, you guys like this one, share it with your friends. This is a biggie. Without action, there's no results. 
with too many expectations and prompting, then it's artificial results. And if you want the real deal, the real spoken language you need one last time this is what you got to do now you got to trust yourself first you got to find and nurture the language facilitation zone as much as possible two to three hours a day you got to increase joint attention and interest in listening to you and not focused on objects or problem solving to find things up on the cabinets but you and you need to respond to your child's communication behaviors because they are giving you all of the information you need about every thing that they are communicating and responding to them instead of judging them and reacting with your own communication behaviors and even their drama right responding and then replace expectation with facilitation and if you don't know how to do it you can find videos here you can listen to my podcast you can read my book you can there's lots of ways to learn there's no excuse except for the fact that you're not taking action that's why you're not seeing improvement and so now is the time Thanks everybody for tuning in today. I hope this content has inspired you to create your own positive language facilitation action plan for this week. If you enjoyed this broadcast, you're in luck. There are tons of resources across our Waves of Communication platform, all designed to help you teach your child to talk. My book, if it isn't fun, it isn't fun. Available on Amazon and my coaching programs, including a free 90-minute introductory class. Learn about everything we do for language facilitators on our website, wavesofcommunication.com.